Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live, as uh, we are coming to you from our studio in the uh, near south side historic district of downtown Grand Forks. Father James Gross, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, with you, and I'm pleased, as always, to be joined by my uh, brother priest in the diocese and classmate, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning. Good morning, Father Gross. It is wonderful to be on air again with you. It is great to be back in the saddle, and we have a... uh, somewhat hazy or smoky uh, day here. Those Manitoba wildfires have really been uh, potent. I, I, I can't believe there's any trees left in Canada. I know, this has been going on for you know over a month of just... Yeah, yeah. Hazy. You know, y- yesterday in this area there was a high dew point and, and sadly for all of that humidity virtually no rain for some of these local areas, but the, the air was so thick, you know, my glasses were fogging up yesterday morning which is almost a, a tropical kind of like a Florida experience then a front came through, the wind shifted from uh, the northerly direction, and that has brought some of that wildfire smoke into the gear. I know a, a week or so ago I did a, a youth camp, and it was supposed to be hot and sunny, 100 degrees or day, while this artificial ceiling came in because of the forest fires. And oh. every day we'd get, it wasn't rain, but we get this condensation falling off of this artificial ceiling that came down, and it kept the temperatures down and all that. It was a very unique outdoor experience you know having a summer camp in a forest mm-hmm. fire haze but yeah yeah it's been a challenging it's been a challenging summer for for a lot of people for for different reasons because of the uh, the shortage of rain so that's something else that we continually are praying about especially the um uh the mental health and the spiritual welfare of our uh farm and uh, ranch families in our listening area but uh, we are gonna have uh, some great conversations we'll have a couple of guests in studio during the course of the 10 o'clock hour, but we have bumped up one of our favorite uh, segments to the very top of the show today, and uh, we have another uh, literary work to dissect. We have uh, Nancy Gord with us. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you. It's always great to be with you. And a brother priest of ours from the Diocese of Fargo, the chaplain of Shanley High School and Sacred Heart Middle School in Fargo, Father William Slattery. Welcome back. Good morning, fathers. Good to be with you. It's great to have both of you here with us today. So, um, let's just dive right into it. Uh, what book are you uh, going to be uh, telling us about, and are we going to be reviewing today? Well, we are going to be discussing *The Giver* and by Lois Lowry, and it is a book rich with thought-provoking events. It, it has startling revelations. It's a really memorable novel. Uh, And what is great for our discussion today, it contains terrific examples of Christ-like characterization. Also, a debatable ending. (laughs) Could you say it's an unknown ending? (laughs) Unknown, yeah. (laughs) 
Yes, sort of, sort of a cliffhanger <laughs> statement there that uh, really entices us. Uh, Lois Lowry wrote this book in 1993, and um, I believe within the last decade, maybe 10 years ago, a major motion picture was was made about this one. So, um, Father Slattery, what uh, just kind of basically what uh, led you and, and Nancy to decide on on this uh, book to discuss today? Yeah, I think uh, when kind of looking at this book, uh, one of the important topics that uh, it, it brings up is the kind of development of conscience and the kind of understanding of, of ch- importance of choice um, and how how that interplay, and especially in the Christian perspective, uh, always leads to that tension between uh, kind of the good, good and evil and uh, how that, in the life of like especially a young child, begins to grow and how that understanding of good and evil develops through one's lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a very rich novel that way. Um, within that kind of uh, theme of, of, of The Giver, you have tied in kind of this kind of dystopian society, or a, a dystopian society in the view of, like, from the perspective of the opening of the book is a utopian yeah. society. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of a, a good, a really, really clever uh, novel, um, one that I think many people have read. I remember... <laughs> Uh, being in high school, I'm kind of jealous because some of my peers were reading it in their class, but then I never read it until now. <laughs> so yeah. it was a very, very good read. So mm-hmm. it's, it's always so interesting to me that all of these places that propound to be or profess to be utopias are actually so dystopic in nature. And even though this is a community that there's no homelessness, there's you know health care for all, no one is lonely, there's ample food. They have no free will. They they cannot choose names for their children, their spouses, their life work. And it is so important as humans, God has given us the ability to choose. And I think the reason for not allowing personal choice is the fact that what happens if people make the wrong decision? Well, we know that people rebound all the time, and they atone, mm-hmm. and they move forward. But um, that and the fact that there is no true love. There is the inability to love. And there is a chapter for Jonas, the protagonist, a 12-year-old, with a lot of Christ-like attributes, turns to his father and says, Father, do you love me? And the response is just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it, it was interesting that... Um yeah, just taken by this whole con- this, you know, so many n- authors will put forward this idea of utopia, and I, I think it really stresses the fact that um, there's no utopia in this. A- actually, I, ironically, St. Thomas More is the one who came up with that term, utopia, and it literally means no place, if you understand the literal meaning of it. But, you know, this idea, it's impossible to have a utopian society apart from Christ. I mean, I think that's all, I mean, ultimately this, you know, it, it really gives a, um, a, a clear, very uh, straightforward saying like, look, life apart from Christ and everything that Christ is, is, is going to end up with very bleak and very blunt to the point where, you know, it, it's interesting. Well, how could Jonas's father love him, you know, when he's responsible for, you know, dispatching those who are undesirable? Right. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that love is so meaningful, and Jonas has learned this because his role 
during his life now is to hold all the memories because these people only have one generational memories. But there always has to be somebody designated, and this is someone who has to have the ability to receive memories from others. They have to hold all the memories of the history of mankind, all the joy and all the agony. And they are used in an advisory way to kind of talk to the committee of elders about what kinds of choices to make based on what they know from the memories. And these memories create a great deal of suffering at times for those who hold them. Mm-hmm. You know, war, famine, loss, grief, death. This you know, community see, doesn't really know what death is. Yes, yeah, so the, the title of the book, The Giver, comes actually from the, this key character who is the, the giver is the name of the person who holds the memories for the the entire community. It's time for a new giver. That's Jonas's, he's been designated to become the new giver. But something I'd love to hear both of you comment on is, you know, so Lois has written into the story that originally the new giver was to be the giver's daughter. And, right. And she decides it's too much and she chooses to be eliminated instead of going mm-hmm. through the instead of becoming real, when I say real, meaning you have real emotions, real memories, real love, real pain, real sorrow, um, what, 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 do you think, um, what do you think the author's intent is there to have this, you know, the, the failure on the part of the giver and his daughter's choice to go away and now here comes Jonas. I mean, what, what, was, what is the daughter's role in all this? Father Slattery, did you want to... Uh, yeah, I think in, in reading that uh, that part of the, the book, uh, it was kind of interesting to see the the kind of the, the suffering of love mm-hmm. um, that's there, and I think uh, that's kind of one of the things that the community misses out on is this kind of profound meaning of love that uh, brings both with it uh, a great glory and a great kind of height of experience and connectedness, but at the same time, there can be loss and, and the real suffering. And so as like uh, this Rosemary is the daughter who was chosen, um, you know, this kind of love, uh, we can say, kind of makes one blind. And the, the giver, in passing on the knowledge to his daughter at one point, uh, does so in a certain way too quickly. Uh, he, okay. That's his summary of it, um, showing her pain. And that kind of tension of causing your loved one pain, um, the giver in a real way blames himself um, as as Rosemary, thought, I mean, can't deal with the uh, the process of the passing on of that knowledge and experience and memory, um, and asks yeah, to be released, which means to be basically euthanized, and, right. and, and so she does it herself. Um, right. And kind of this kind of maddening experience of of, of love that uh, can't, yeah, in the way that the community functions and organizes and the ideals of happiness, love can't really exist. Mm-hmm. I don't and the, and the ahead, giver Nancy. learns from this process, too, that he has to be very gentle as he trains Jonas, not to start out with anything too stark or too painful. That's why the initial memories, things like snowfall or a sailboat, uh, he starts with those because he realizes his mistake with, with Rosemary. And, gentlemen, I don't know how you feel about this, but there really is a sense, as the story goes on, that Rosemary... Because, as you know, there is no physical relationship between spouses. As a matter of fact, you don't choose your own spouse. They're kind of appointed for you. 
but um, there is no physical contact with the other sex to produce children. But you do get a sense in this that Rosemary is the giver's biological daughter. Right. You know, that she she truly is his offspring, not just somebody who is um, assigned to him. And he might have the knowledge of that because of what he has access to. I think, as a respected person. But, but Jonas, you know, you talk about Christ-like attributes. There's a point where Jonas says to the giver, because Jonas will be the next receiver of memory, which is an honored post in that community, but he goes, why? Why does it have to be us who takes all this on? And it, it just reminds me a bit of Christ in the garden, and before he knows the enormity of what's to happen. Mm-hmm. And another one of the prevailing themes, I guess, that I see in terms of the the nature of the community is just that tyranny. So to, this kind of a soft tyranny that despite various uh, controlled, as you mentioned, uh, whether you call it, uh, you know, creature comforts or, uh, you know, planned, engineered, you know, parts of the community, that there is this sort of a, a tyranny. So uh, I think, can you, either of you just kind of speak to, you know, how that how that plays and the, the whole dynamic of the story. Yeah, I would well, say... I, uh, go ahead, Nancy. Go ahead. Yep. Okay, I was just going to say that <laughs> it's interesting thinking about this novel again when you talk about government control over your lives. But, but truly, they feel that the people need their decisions made for them because of the danger of making unwise decisions. Whether you're choosing a career, a spouse, a name for your child, or what to wear for the day. And it's, it's this lack of regard for other people and how they feel about their lives and how they want to move forward. And it's just so interesting when you talk about government control with now the way things sort of are in our society with economics and social justice and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, we're uh, you're uh, listening to Real Presence Live as we are diving into a great conversation here about uh, a very well-known book uh, in uh, popular fiction over the last uh, couple of decades, uh, The Giver, by an author named Lois Lowry. And we'll continue this conversation with Father Slattery and Nancy Gord on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Honor your Father by word and deed, that a blessing from Him may come upon you. Sirach 3.8 Our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or 
make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director at Riverview Place Senior Living Community in Fargo. For over 35 years, we've been honored to nourish our residents in mind, body, and spirit. We offer a full calendar of activities, events, and faith-based programming, and the best food in town. Our independent and assisted living residents thrive in our warm, comfortable, and compassionate community. We'd love to meet you. Call Marin or Katie today at 701-237-4700 to line up a tour. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, privileged to join you today. And before we return to our uh, conversation with Nancy and Father Slattery, just a reminder of the Straight Talk segment that we will be beginning at the bottom of the hour. And uh, those of you who have listened to us in the past know that uh, we can uh, easily bring up any number of different topics. But the point of this is to give you guys the, the platform to uh, ask us uh, questions, maybe about things going on in the world and the church today and, and a faith perspective on that. one 795 is that uh, toll-free number to call. You can also place your questions on our Facebook page and Real Presence Radio. So, uh, Father Leffer, let's uh, dive back into this, especially with regard to the dynamics of um, the, uh, the, the, um, the, the gift of human life and how that's brought out through this book. Right, and uh, one of the key characteristics of this uh, supposed utopian society is at the beginning of life, the end of life, and even in the middle of life, if you're not, if you're not conformed to fit in, it, it's called um, being released. So, Father, Father, talk about a euphemism. Yeah, Father Slattery. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, so this is all basically abortion, infanticide, euthanasia, and and basically, I, I guess, either suicide or murder. I guess you call it. What 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 role does this play in in this novel? Yeah, I think that that concept of uh, the release is, is uh, beginning in the book is. Uh, you know, this kind of mysterious event, like almost in the same way we would like look at like kind of dying. It's portrayed as just kind of passing on, and um, as as Jonas kind of grows older and as he gains the memories of the giver, uh, this kind of concept of release begins to uh, be seen in its full light, and it kind of connects even with our, our last uh, point we left off on of the the construction of kind of the rules and order and law of of how this kind of soft totalitarianism takes hold is uh, everyday choices are the focus of like, you know, in a real, we could say, superficial way and the concept of, like, you know, one's choice of right and wrong, like whether you took an apple more or whether you, you know, left your bike standing or put it on its side, those are seen as kind of uh, major offenses to be sorry for. Uh, and then as you go deeper into the novel, you see that inherent in this society and community is uh, a, a struggle with maintaining order in the way of providing food 
And early in, on in this community's development, they chose basically to limit population. And you see it in many ways. And so one of the ways they do it is that, uh, one, they limit the amount of children you can have, one boy and one girl per family. Uh, they aren't your biological. They're given you apply for a family. Um, and then when there's, uh, there's twins, they actually uh, choose the heavier of the twin to be selected to join a family, and then the other, uh, other twin is released, which ultimately is uh, injected with uh, some type of abort, uh, you know, lethal injection, some chemical that ends the child's life, and the child is then put, uh, put away. In the same way, too, the elderly are are put away early on. They once they reach the age when they're not helpful for the community, they are brought to the house of the of the aged of the old, and then from there, uh, there's a ceremony of release where their life is told, told, and they enter a room, and uh, no one really knows what goes on there. But you can kind of implicitly. Um, view it as the same action that they're probably injected and then their their bodies disposed of and then within that those who don't conform to the community's rule those who struggle who make wrong choices and are repeat offenders uh similarly are released um which means again get killed um and this is all well, seen in a way to provide the order so and i i think the revelation because Jonas now, through memories, really knows what death is. Mm-hmm. He has seen warfare. He has seen a young soldier die in sort of a foxhole situation next to him on the battleground in this memory. So he knows what death is. Now, a toddler whom Jonas dearly loves, Gabriel, has been staying with his family because his father a nurturer, has given him some additional help because he isn't meeting these milestones, one of which is sleeping through the night. Now, it's it's kind of a lot of different plot twists that lead up to why Gabriel must be released. But Gabriel, because he can't sleep through the night, and he's over a year old, uh, has been designated for release. And Jonas has questions about release, so the giver lets him view one. And it is his father, the nurturer, again, very ironic, releasing the smaller twin. Mm-hmm. Well, and, we've been... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and I was just going to say, this is, this is one of the most profoundly affecting chapters in the book to young people who read it. Yeah. We've been talking about this book, uh, The Giver by Lois Lowry. So this is in, in, in a school curriculum. Is it typically uh, middle school or younger high school that this uh, uh, is assigned to in your experience? Well, you know, like I said, and kind of when we started talking at uh, the beginning or right before the beginning of the program, it's a, it's a comfortable read. So I have heard of students in fifth grade reading it. Mm-hmm. However, just because of the nature and the themes and yeah. some of the revelations in the book, I really think it works best for maybe eighth grade. You know, it's probably seventh grade, possibly. But I, I do think it's great. Jonas is twelve, and he's the protagonist in this book, right. and he's also 
starting puberty, which is something yeah. the community right. takes Junior high kids for. can put themselves in his shoes, in a sense. You know, it's probably, right, you know, and so they understand what someone is going through because perhaps they've gone through it. Right. Those you know, changes. So I always found it was a great read in terms of quality of discussion and understanding at the 8th grade level. So mm-hmm. I put it about age 14. But this was a book chosen some time ago. I can't remember exactly how many years by the Fargo Public Library as a community read. And you know, it, uh, I, think, impo- I think it's... It's probably important that we would, you know, because we're running out of time quickly here, but because sure. uh, it, it really did, has a controversial ending of, so to speak, in a certain way. And but it's probably one of the, the most obvious Christian, um, you know, references in in the whole the whole novel. Um, could could you maybe take us to that place of the the conclusion and and why? I don't think we're you know, ruining it for anybody by giving the ending away here, but just uh, why that that's so controversial, and why do you think the author set it up this way? Well, it is a profound ending, very Christian in nature that he is saving this child, he is delivering it to a community, he's climbing upward, he's suffering, it's cold, it's snowing. Jonas is clutching the toddler Gabriel. He has escaped from the community. He's climbing a hill. He knows that at the top of the hill there is something that will help him. He just knows it. Deliver that baby down into a community where there can be love, where there can be joy. And he's not even certain Gabriel is still alive. The toddler is motionless. And so he's clutching that child. You're not dressed for the weather. He gets to the top. He gets on the sled, and he slides down. And they hear, see that there's a community in 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 the distance, not a great distance. And they slide down that hill. And we are not certain as readers whether they survived that sled ride or not. Mm-hmm. It's an ambiguous ending. Many people will say they're in heaven. Some people, and I think Lowry is this way, would like to think of a different ending, that they do Mm -hmm. survive and become part of a more human community. But it's very debatable because it's uncertain. But Jonas will risk his life for that child. Mm -hmm. His love for that toddler, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Father, uh, please. Well, I think in the... the, Connecting it too earlier with, like, this is one of the memories that... uh, that the giver gave to Jonas was this memory of uh, this kind of almost a Christmas scene of giving presents right. to the lights and all this. And uh, it, so that's kind of part of the talk of like this kind of controversial ending. Is is it him reliving that memory of hope and love that's there and given by the giver, understanding it, and that's him fading away? Um, but I think a big thing for me that I saw um, was that he heard the music, which before mm-hmm. uh, the giver didn't pass on that mm-hmm. gift of hearing music, which was the giver's own way of recognizing his difference and his yeah. kind of aptitude for this uh, this role of mm-hmm. being a receiver. Um, and so it just it seemed like this was a real event for me with that uh, budgeting sense of, of this growing music and, and Jonas's appreciation and understanding of it. Um, well, right. we just and it have might a, be the, the giver's way of saying goodbye, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Sending right. that music because yeah. he wants to join his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
We just have a couple of minutes left here. I wanted to talk about a broader topic, this uh, genre of young adult dystopian fiction that's become popular within the last uh, couple of decades. Even people who aren't much of readers, but who are perhaps uh, cinephiles, are familiar with this because of the various series that have been put into uh, major motion pictures, whether it be The Hunger Games, Maze mm -hmm. Runner, Divergent, things like that. Just uh, quickly, if you could just share um, your opinion of why you think this particular genre and those themes are are resonating in the culture the way that they are. Well, I'll just briefly say I think teenagers, young people go through so many changes in times of stress, they may feel their world is a little dystopic as they make their way through it. But what is interesting is there is so often a young, vibrant, interesting hero who makes his way to be the champion through this dystopia. And I think I think they like to think of themselves as being possible it's possible for them to be that. Right. Yeah, and I think, too, inherent in this is, as you read with Jonas, that uh, there is a kind of growing way that the conscience understands the reality of the truth and and the reality of lies. And so that, that is, I think is a very striking contrast is for, for a child is that the possibility of a lie that all people could be lying to them is something that I think everyone does think at some point and why this kind of grows into uh, a very kind of vibrant genre. And maybe the way we can end this whole thing is that, that I love the music. Jonas means dove or messenger sent by God. So that, you know, everything's appropriate. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's very fortuitous in terms of the protagonist's name. So uh, Nancy and uh, Father Slattery, thank you very much for this great conversation, and we'll look forward to uh, catching up with you down the road. A any idea about the next book? Well, uh, Father, I had given a list of uh, suggestions, and I, I wonder, would we be interested in doing something such as The Hobbit? Okay. I think there that was going to be my top of the list, yep. Okay. okay. It sounds yeah. like The Hobbit. Sick. We're, we're, our uh, uh, interest is peaked here and what is going to be yep. coming up, and uh, thanks again very much, and blessings on the rest of your day. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, have a good day. All right. Well, folks, uh, get your questions ready either on Facebook or by calling in for our Straight Talk segment, which will be starting right after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 